Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast presented by Firecracker Sports. We're excited about today's guest, a coach of one of the top programs in New England. Rob Murray took over as head coach of the Nobles baseball program in 2013 and has helped lift the team to a perennial contender in the ISL. We're looking forward to hearing about his experience at the prep level and what his role is like as an associate scout of the Texas Rangers. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred platforms. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe. Before we get to the interview with Coach Murray, let's talk about some of the content that's available at BaseballJournal.com. We're hot on the coverage of the MLB Draft, which is July 11th to July 13th. We have previews of all of the top 25 prospects that are eligible for this year's draft. Follow us on Twitter at any underscore baseball for live coverage during the MLB draft. Also, our next edition of the New England Baseball Journal magazine is set to hit newsstands in July. For content on the MIA baseball tournaments or all the state championships in each of the New England states, you can get it on BaseballJournal.com or subscribe to the magazine on the website BaseballJournal.com. Thanks again for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Now here's the interview with Nobles coach Rob Murray. We're back with Nobles coach Rob Murray, and we're excited to hear about how you've managed to turn Nobles into the one of the top programs, prep programs in New England, and especially in particular the ISL. Uh, We had Milton Academy coach, I don't know if you heard it, Matt Petherick, a few months ago. It was right at the beginning of the prep season, and uh, I like Matt. It wasn't his fault, but it, there wasn't the most optimistic look for the prep school season <laughs> at the time. Uh, the winter season had been backed up, and uh, the prep, the baseball season was starting late. And he was talking about uh, a couple of his players got sick with COVID, and it just was kind of a shaky outlook for the season. How did it end up playing out? It seemed like once you got going, uh, you got some momentum, and kind of uh, it was almost like a normal season. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a little different. Um... You know, it was, you know, quote unquote normal uh, in terms of we got to play again, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with uh, 2020 being nothing for uh, everybody. But um, it was great. It was, um, you know, we were able to get for us, for Nobles, we were able to get 24 games in, which actually is the most games we've ever played in a season, which I guess doesn't really make sense yeah. uh, in, a, in a COVID year. Um, but it was great. Uh, we were out there again. Um, we played uh, the way the ISL did it was um, we didn't play everybody, um, which was a little different. Um, and we played more of like a college series. We played uh, either one game at home on a Friday or away on a Friday, and then two either home or away on Saturday. So we were playing a three-game set against the same team because it just worked out for testing. Right. You know, with we knew that whole team was was good to go for that week, um, so we were able to get three games in against against those uh, against that one partic- uh, particular team. So, um, but. It was it was tough when you're facing the same team three times, um, especially uh, you know we got handed a pretty tough schedule this year uh, for for Nobles. Um, you know we had to play Milton Academy, obviously is our rival. We only played one against them, which is which uh, stinks because they're really good and you want to play against Matt a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know Lawrence Academy and Thayer, uh, Belmont Hills, Saint Sebs, like we got handed a pretty tough slate um, and did pretty well. Yeah, and it was a particularly uh, impressive crop of prep school players where there's a lot of guys who are 
eligible for this year's MLB draft who, who are getting looks by scouts and, you know, in the mix for getting drafted in July. Who were some of those types of guys that you saw this year? Um, either, you know, I know you've got a couple of juniors who are really good D1 prospects. Who were some of the guys you saw around prep baseball that really stood out? I thought the uh, the best uh, pitcher that we faced was, um, I believe it's Sullivan from, from Tabor. Oh yeah, uh, he's he's going to Northwestern. Uh, yeah. He he was tough. Yeah. Um, not only does he throw well, but very competitive kid. Um, you know, uh, McNulty, shortstop from uh, from Milton Academy, really good player as well. Yeah. Um, you know, day in and day out in the ISL, you're going to be facing really good talent. Um, it's nice to have your own talent, uh, but you know, going into every game, you're gonna you're gonna face really good, especially on the on the on the mound, really good talent. Yeah, absolutely. And did you find it, was it difficult to keep guys motivated this year because it was a different schedule and those three-game sets, you're kind of not having the same season and there's no postseason. And the previous year, you had gone out to California in the preseason, which I would imagine players must have loved that. Um, Was it difficult to keep guys motivated and have them play it out as if it was a regular season? Um, We played it as we knew we weren't playing for a championship. Yeah. Um, But the guys, you know, bought into – we're still going to have a really good year, you yeah. know, and we want to win what would be determined a championship. Yeah. Um, and uh, we lucked out. We have, you know, we had four really good captains, um, you know, that, that motivated the guys each day to like, we're playing for a championship, even though we're not going to be hanging a banner. Um, and every day at practice, these guys went out and, and got after it, which was as a coach, you can't ask for more than that. You know, I, I just mentioned that trip to California, and I was thinking we had spoken before the season about it. Got it. canceled. Yeah, I was just about to ask you. I was like, did that ever happen? I wish probably, we had. Oh, yeah. It was that something that you think you'll try to get back on the schedule? Or So that's uh, that's the plan is we're going, you know, as of right now, next March, we're going uh, back out to California. Oh, yeah. man. So it must have happened. That must have been like right, right around. It happened two weeks before we were supposed to leave. So. <laughs> oh, man. That's tough. Yeah, because we had done an interview uh, just previewing your season, and I was like, oh, that's going to be so cool for everybody. And then I slipped my mind that, you know, that probably didn't work out time-wise. Nope. Um, I know at Nobles, uh, you, you know, you really stress developing not only the player, uh, and you're the football coach there as well, but the person and, you know, producing really good people who are going off and, you know, going off to college and in the real world. And everybody is uh, trying to do that at the prep level or even, you know, public school level and private school level. Uh, What uh, structures do you have in place to kind of ensure that you're really developing the whole person? Sure. Uh, You know, obviously we stress academics first, uh, first and foremost. Um, You know, these guys realize that if if you don't have the grades, it's going to dictate where you end up in terms of college. You know, uh, whether you want to play college football or college baseball, uh, the academic piece is going to dictate where you end up. You know, talent alone is not going to take you there um, Mm -hmm. because there's a bunch of talented guys. Um, So what's going to separate you is is the academic piece. Um, You know, the the work in the classroom is far more important than the work on the field. Um, Mm -hmm. So we stress academics first um, and then baseball or football second. And then – and then just just being good members of our community within the school itself, and then uh, and then outside of it as well. I always tell the guys, you know, when you wear a Nobles T-shirt, uh, football or baseball, you're representing the program, you're representing the school. Um, act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we do have guidelines for our baseball team that we we set forth at each year, and it's gotten to the point now where, in my ninth year um, as the head coach. Uh, the guys take more of a role of um, 
you know, uh, policing those guidelines instead of the coaches, which is great to see. Yeah, that's when you know you have a good culture when, you know, you, you don't have to get involved in all those things. you got your own players uh, making sure people are doing things the right way. Now, when, I, when we go back to your playing experience, so you're, you're from Weston, Massachusetts, and then I, I know you played at Ithaca. You played in a couple of College World Series, did. didn't you? Yeah. What was um What was baseball like for you growing up? Was it a big thing in your house, and when did you really fall in love with the sport? Yeah, my dad was a coach um, growing up. Um, Little League, um, high school, he started the Legion program in Weston, which was a combo Weston-Wayland Legion program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I had two older brothers that played baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my oldest brother um, also played at Ithaca and then played five years in the Texas Rangers system. Oh, nice. Um, so I got to see, you know, if you want to, if you want to play at that level, how, what do you got to do? You know, um, and, you know, you always want to be your older brother. Um, so he was my idol growing up. So, um, and then, and then going off to college, um, playing at Ithaca was, was great playing for coach Valcente, who's in the hall of fame. Um, you just saw how things were done the right way. Um, and I've used a lot of that, um, as a coach now of what I learned as a player. Yeah, that's great. And you played beyond college too, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Uh, I played two years, uh, in the independent league. Okay. Um, so my first year was in the frontier league for the Richmond roosters, um, and then my second year was up in the Northeast League for the Bangor Blue Ox. Nice. And when did you start to get a sense uh, coaching was something you wanted to do uh, for a profession? Um, probably after. So I, kind of a weird uh, route I took was um, I was in law enforcement for a long time. So oh, I was wow. a police officer for almost 14 years. Huh. Um, and when I moved back here to Massachusetts, I started getting into um, – private instruction. I, I really wanted to get back into the game. Yeah. Um, so I started doing lessons and, and just by chance I started giving lessons to a few kids from Belmont Hill. Yeah. Um, and they had a coaching change at Belmont Hill and Mike Grant took over and Mike was looking for an assistant coach. And one of the parents felt that'd be a good assistant for Mike. And, and Mike and I hit it off uh, right off the bat. Um, no pun. And, um, and we've been friends ever since. And yeah. uh, he was he was a great guy to learn from as well because Mike had prior coaching experience before Belmont Hill. Yeah, he's another you know prep coaching legend. You know, a guy who's always got a great program. What did you learn from him about running a prep program? Just um, the relationship he had with the guys, mm-hmm. um, how to do things the right way, um, the intensity that he brings to the game. Um, I was just I was taken back by the level of play. Um, you know, I, I knew guys that went to Belmont Hill and Nobles growing up in Weston. You know, a lot of kids went to private school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really got to see the, the level of play. And um, I was really um, impressed by it. I was impressed by the kids that they wanted to play every day. Like the, the dedication to the game, just in great kids too. Um, because they made a decision, that's where they wanted to be. Right. You know, yeah. um, but uh, Mike's a great, Mike was a great one to learn from. That's great. Yeah, no, it's he's always got you know a top team and and uh, on the prep baseball scene. Now I know. Uh, so you were there for what a year or two? A year. A year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how did the? I guess there was an opening at Nobles, and what what really uh, intrigued you about that position? Yeah, it was an opportunity to. Um, at that point, I've um, I wanted to make a switch from law enforcement to uh, coaching. I really wanted to get into coaching, um, and um, Nobles uh, had. Uh, a position that was assistant athletic director mm-hmm. and, um, and I have a degree in physical education. So it, I actually got to use my degree a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, um, assistant football coach and assistant baseball coach. So, yeah. um, I got to, 
I got to coach two sports I really love um, and then get back into athletics. So um, I jumped at the opportunity. And you elevated to head coach pretty quickly there, didn't you, after uh, one, the, year? one year? Yeah. Uh, one year. One um, year, the uh, former head coach stepped down, yeah. um, and they asked if I'd like to do it, and I said, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, sometimes you hear from head coaches that say, you know, you, you get in, you take the head coaching job, and then it's uh, kind of a gift and a curse because then you're in charge of all the administrative, the travel, the parents, all that stuff. Was it a little bit of a rude awakening, or was it what you expected? Uh, it's what I expected. Yeah. Um, I've lucked out. I've had um, you know great parents and great kids to work with, um, and I really wanted to build my own program. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, it's it's been great ever since. Very good. And now I know you were the, also the head coach of the for the Bay State games, uh, and you had two gold medal teams and a bronze medal team there. What's that experience? Because I know that's a pretty quick turnaround. You get the guys. It's not like you're developing a culture, or having them for an entire summer. What What was that experience like? That was great. Um, I played in the Bay State games, which yeah. uh, so to be able to coach it was was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, with my assistant coach uh, James Legos, um, it was great. It was because most of the kids were public school kids. Yeah. Um, I got to help them with their recruiting a little bit. Um, but it was. It's uh, you know you haven't two or three tryouts um, and maybe a practice or two before the games actually start. And then you're coaching these guys for a week and then you don't really see them again. Um, But to be able to build a team within a week is pretty tough. Um, And I lucked out, uh, you know, we had the Southeast region, you know, so we had Milton uh, BC high. If the, if the kids wanted to play this way. Yeah. Um, And then we had a bunch, you know, we had Seb's kids, we had Noble's kids, um, we had really, we just lucked out. We had really good talent, and yeah. the kids were great kids. Um, but it's, you know, it's for one year, and that's you get a whole new crop of guys. Right. Um, some guys repeat juniors, uh, juniors and sophomores, but they come back for a second year. But um, it, it was a great experience, and it just got to the point of coaching Nakona and coaching Bay State games. I did that for five years. It got to be a lot. Yeah. You know, it got to be a lot, and. Um, So I decided to step away from it. Yeah, I could see that schedule getting a little bit crazy. Uh, But I wanted to ask you, because a lot of the parents and a lot of even players, uh, there's so many different outlets and tournaments and showcases and things that they could do. That sounds like a good one for uh, uh, guys to go to the Bay State games and get. uh, But are there scouts there? Are they getting looks there? Or what, what tournaments or showcase events would you really steer people towards if they're trying to get those looks from college college recruiters or even pro scouts? Yeah, I think nowadays it, it's very different from when I was growing up in terms of, I mean, you played Legion ball. That's that's what you did. You right. know, there was no club ball. Um, and there was the Bay State games and maybe, you know, the Brockton Invitational was a big one if you got invited to that one. Yeah. Um, but um, I think the Bay State games is probably the best cost affordable, you know, yeah. for, for a lot of these kids um, that can't afford to pay three or $4,000 for club baseball. Yeah, it gets expensive. Uh, it gets expensive. The travel's expensive, right? Uh, and then you and then you mix in showcases that you got to pay. Yeah. Um, it gets to be a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I think um, the head first showcase, except, especially for the um, the higher academic kids, um, I think the head first one is, the, is probably the best one. Um, and then just, you know, the PBR does a great job. Yeah. Um, showcasing guys in New England, um, they've they've been really great uh, showcasing, especially the, you know a lot of the guys from the ISL. Um, so I've been able to watch a, a bunch of those, and then you know if you're lucky enough to get invited to the area code tryouts, which is the kind of the creme de la creme, right? Yeah. Um, if you get uh, lucky enough to get invited to those, that, that's a really great one as well. 
Yeah, I um, I actually have a parent. We opened it up last week, uh, an email address for anybody who wants to ask questions, and we announced uh, just yesterday that you were going to be on. And uh, we did get a parent question about the area code game, so I'll ask that and then go back to what we were talking about. But uh, this is from a parent. She said, "The I'm reading about the area code games tryouts. I have a son who wants to play professional baseball. How do you get your son involved in that? What do I need to do to get him those looks? Sure. It's – um." In the past couple of years, they've changed it, especially with um, with last year with COVID, and now this year they've kind of they've increased it a little bit, but the, the numbers are decreased in terms of getting an invite to it. Yeah. Um, you have to be invited by a professional scout um, that uh, will most likely be at the tryouts. Um, and you know, in years past, they've had just big numbers of kids come to these things, um, and it just gets to be a lot. Yeah. Um, so now they've really chopped it down in terms of like they're really focused on a certain amount of kids um, to get invited to it, and it's tough. It's you know it's tough to get guys invited um, uh, year in and year out because um, you're facing the best in the country. Yeah. You know, from all these different scouting uh, teams. You know, the Rangers and the A's and the and the uh, the Yankees. Um, it's it's really good competition. Probably the best around. Yeah, I went to the one at UConn a few weeks ago, or it was probably two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, there were, I want to say there were 60 total kids from, uh, and it was all the New England states. It was New York. It was New Jersey. I think Pennsylvania was represented. There was a kid from Canada. I mean, you're right. It is the, it is the top of the recruiting class, so it, it's not the easiest thing to get a look. I was surprised because last year, during the COVID year, they actually played games. Like the area code tryouts were, you know, they played against Futures League teams, mm-hmm. or they, and those were really competitive the one at UConn was a little bit more like um, just a workout. You know, right. it was batting practice and infield practice, guys taking outfield fly balls and stuff like that. Um, you're a, an associate scout for the Texas Correct. Rangers. Which of those two formats do you think – I would think it would be easier to evaluate guys that are actually playing games. Yeah, it's um, – I mean, sometimes it's hard because a guy might not get a, hit, a ball hit to him, yeah. right? <clears throat> or or uh, he gets walked four times, yeah. right? So um, – yeah, you can you can get a pretty good judge on guys, you know, taking ground balls or BP and stuff like that. But then it's obviously game speeds things up, yeah. right? You know how how does how well does he uh, hit a slider and stuff like that, yeah. rather than a BP fastball. Um, you know, can he steal a bag? You know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, the the um, the workout type uh, scenario is good just to get a, a a quick look on a guy. Yeah, you know, and then and then you can say, all right, I'm going to focus that on that guy during the game. Yeah, um, but the game is like because the game is what you play, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so you want to see how he does during game game situations. Yeah, I remember the uh, I used to be a Phillies fan, and um, they had a guy Bobby Abreu. I don't know if you remember. Sure. He wasn't even like a big sure. power hitter, but uh, one of those home run derbies. Like you know, he comes in just taking batting practice, hitting like three forty five right down the line. He ended up hitting like twenty five homers during his uh, <laughs> showcase. So every time I'm watching BP at those things, I'm like. Is this, are you getting a real read of this or not? Exactly. But, uh, now, how did you end up um, – how did you get involved with becoming an associate scout for the Texas Rangers? How did that opportunity come about? Sure. They were uh, – um, a few of the scouts were actually at our game uh, probably seven or eight years ago, and they were scouting a kid from St. George's, Buddy Reed, yeah. um, center fielder, yeah. um, and uh, ended up going to the University of Florida, ended up um, uh, getting drafted out of Florida. Uh, I don't know if he's still playing or not, but – uh, the Rangers were at our field watching, um, and um, I'm a pretty decent fungo hitter. Yeah. Uh, so they watched me hit fungos during uh, I.O. 
Um, and then afterwards they said they had to go work out a guy down in Rhode Island. Uh, would I be willing to come down and hit fungos to this kid? Oh, nice. um, so I did. And then from there, um, they asked if I'd be interested in being an associate scout. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing spectacular. Uh, I don't get paid for it. Um, but it's a, it's an opportunity where I can help out, um, the Rangers in, um, scouting talent, especially in new England. You know, if I see anybody, um, that they might've missed, or, uh, I feel they need to follow. Um, I reach out to them and say, here's a, here's a kid you might, you might want to look at. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So do you have a list of who they're already looking at? And then you say, Hey, you need to add him to the list. Or? I don't, I don't. Um, what I do is I'll just text the guy I work for, yeah. um, and just say, I don't know if you're on this guy or not. Um, but I saw him play today and he looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, you know, if they're in the area, um, the next day or two, um, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll hook up and try to try to see this kid play, whether it's at a facility, you know, if it's in the winter, um, at a facility, um, or, you know, in the summer, if he's playing, you know, club ball or Legion ball, they'd take a look at him more with nobles coach, Rob Murray after this. Firecracker Sports serves all first-time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. We offer the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all your baseball and softball needs with our player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time effort and money by getting all of your events college resources and customer attention in one place every season you've got some guys on your own team right now who i'm sure guys are uh, have scouts looking at them one i saw at uh a couple weeks ago mark willie uh, senior he's gonna be he's a yep. rising senior mm-hmm. he's committed to the university of michigan Big first baseman. He's, like, he's a big boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how, what was his development like at Nobles, and what do you see for him? Uh, you know, over the next year and into his post uh, prep school days. Sure. Yeah. Mark's been with us uh, on varsity since eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been a big kid. Um, I first noticed him because um, when I coached for Nakona, Mark's in the Nakona program. Um, so Mark came to us in uh, into Nobles in seventh grade. Uh, um, made varsity in eighth grade. And uh, during that time, we had, you know, we had a really good um, first baseman in front of him. Um, mm-hmm. So he DH'd a little bit, played a little bit, you know, um, uh, later in games, played some defense. Um, but um, his progression in the last two or three years has been spectacular. Yeah. Um, he's become more of a complete hitter rather than just because Mark can mash yeah. baseballs. Right. Um, you know, better than just a, a BP guy. Um, he's starting to hit to all fields now. Um, his defense is getting a lot better than it, than it was uh, when he was younger. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he can do at, at University of Michigan because he's only going to keep getting better. Yeah, he had uh, he was taking BP at that UConn tryout, and he ended up just crushing. Like the last swing that he took, he got some adjustment from a Dodgers scout, and then you could tell the Dodgers scout you know, was like, oh, I feel good. I gave him the one piece <laughs> right, of advice. Right. Good tip. Um, it was funny. Uh, now your catcher, uh, rising senior Jake Bolin, is going. He's committed to Villanova, and this is your second uh, D one catcher that you've had in a row because Jackson Finney. Third. Oh, is it your ben, third? Ben Rice was oh, before. Yeah. Oh, and Ben Rice. Yeah, yeah he's. <laughs> I see a highlight of him every he's, day on Twitter. He's he's, he's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so what's Jake Bolin? Uh, what what was his um, projection like? Uh, what do you see him doing outside, beyond high school? Yeah, same thing. Same thing as Mark. Uh, Jake came in as a freshman. 
Uh, and it was great because, uh, you know, the plan, you know, you always have a plan and pl- that you think is going to work out. Yeah. Uh, Jake was going to back up Jackson Finney yeah. um, and give Jackson a break. And then all of a sudden, uh, third baseman um, two years ago goes down in game one. And uh, we put Jake in at third base as a freshman who had never played third base in his life. Uh, wow. And I said, well, you got to do it. Yeah. Uh, and he did great, uh, especially as a freshman, uh, never playing that position. And it's not an easy one to play. Yeah. Um, so he hopped in there and then um, – and then the uh, progression was going to be he was going to back up um, split time with Jackson in, you know, 2020. Yeah. Um, and then we don't have a season, uh, you know. So, yeah. um, but in that 2020 year, um, he really got a lot of good work in, uh, especially in the summer. Uh, tremendous arm behind the plate. His yeah. receiving is so much better um, than when he was a freshman. Um, and he's, he, he's a big, strong kid. You know, I think he hit three or four home runs for us this year. Did a great job behind the plate, um, threw out five or six guys. Um, so, uh, I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good player at Villanova. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your other D one uh, commit is Matt Travisano, who was he committed to Pitt. I, I remember doing like an uncommitted list last year, and he was still on it. But um, he's he's a guy who seems to have developed really well in within your program. Yeah, he's a he's a stud. Yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, Tremendous athlete, yeah. uh, tremendous competitor. Um, he was our number one guy this year on the mound. Um, you know, he's he's a ninety plus guy on the mound, um, and he's also you know tough position we were in. We had two Division one shortstops uh, yeah. with Luca Danos and, and Matt Travisano, um, and Luca was the starter, and Matt being the number one pitcher, um, you know, depending on how many pitches he threw, most likely Matt was either going to play third or second. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of the middle to the end of the year, we just we said you're going to be when you're not pitching, you're going to be the everyday second baseman. Okay. Um, so we had a really good double play tandem between those two guys, yeah. uh, which was nice. Not a lot of balls got through the infield. And um, but uh, he led the team in hitting, uh, you know, hit over 500, you know, hit five or six home runs. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, the second on the team in RBIs, um, super fast kid. Just a really good athlete. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be um, a big time player at Pitt. Yeah. Now that's the second time you've referenced. Uh, you know, you got Luca Danos and Matt Travisano. You know, waiting in the wings behind him, and then you had Ben Rice, Jackson Finney, and now Jake Bowen. And I think that you know that's a difficult. That can be a difficult sure. situation to handle uh, because you know guys have egos and they're great players mm-hmm. and. Um, What's the key to handling that? Is it communication or uh, just having really good people in those spots? Or yeah, it's um, you know the way that I run, you know, quote unquote, my recruiting um, is I know what I'm losing, yeah. you know, from year to year. Um, so I go out and get, you know, I won't go out and get, you know, promise a kid like three catchers and be like, all of you're going to start, right. and then all the three of them get there, and you know, one guy starts, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, we knew we were losing Ben Rice. Um, and we had to go get a catcher, um, and I knew Jackson because I coached him in the Bay State games, and I knew he was a you know fo- great football baseball kid, and that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, so we brought Jackson in as a junior, uh, and then we brought Jake in as a freshman, knowing that Jackson's going to graduate in two years. Jake takes over that position, you know, <laughs> and and that's the way that I uh, I run things at Nobles is, um, you know, if I lo- I know I'm losing one guy, I know that I'm going to bring in a guy to replace that guy. Yeah. Um, but. You know, Matt was Matt was a starter at, at Concord Carlisle. Yeah. Um, and he's one of their better players. Um, but he knew coming in that, that Luca was the guy. Um, and then Matt would back him up uh, defensively or play short or third or second, um, but also be our number one pitcher. 
you know. So, um, but it's it is it's it's tough when you have um, a lot of talent. You know, it's it's a it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, but it's as a coach, it's um, it's tough to, you know, not everyone can hit three and four, right? So some yeah. guys have to hit one and two or five and six. I yeah. mean, our lineup this year, you had two Division one guys hitting six and seven. Yeah. You know, uh, and you look at the lineup, and you're like, "This is a pretty deep lineup." When you got these guys hitting six and seven, yeah. you know. So, um, but um, but the guys are great. They they understand it's team first mentality, yeah. um, and what can we do to help the team, and rather than my individual, you know, accomplishment. Well, that's good. That's a that's a good culture that you have there. Um, I wanted to ask about Ben Rice because, like I said, he pops up. You know, he had a great season in the Futures League. He seems to be getting off to a great start in the Cape, but I don't know that. Um, any, I mean, the Ivy League kids, I think, had it the worst this year. They, they really got squeezed. Um, last year, 2020, I don't know, he might have paid, played four or five games before. Uh, and some of the other D1 programs played, you know, 15 and 20 before they got called. Uh, the Ivy League was like the only uh, programs in New England that didn't play any college baseball this year. But somehow, he doesn't miss a beat. He comes back, he just keeps getting better and better. What is it about him that is able to kind of thrive with this adversity? Sure. Uh, ben... Ben's had a, uh, an interesting baseball career in terms of um, his progression through Nobles and then into Dartmouth. Ben played JV as a freshman at Nobles. Really? You know, um, just wasn't, um, you know, physically mature at the time um, to, to, handle, to handle it. Um, good skills, you know, um, but wasn't, you know, he was, I think he was 5'9 as a freshman. Now he's 6'3". Yeah. You know, uh, he's a big dude. Yeah. Um, so he became, um, and then... Uh, when he came in as a uh, varsity as a sophomore, he played a little bit of third base, a little bit of first base, and caught. And then his junior year, uh, he was the starter behind the plate, um, hit well. And then his senior year, just everything clicked. He got bigger, he got stronger. Um, you know, his arm behind the plate, receiving. He was our top bat um, as well, and you could just see like, here we go, like everything's starting to click for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a tremendous worker. His work ethic is unbelievable, um, and his drive is unbelievable. Uh, just a great kid. Um, and then, uh, you know, as he went into Dartmouth, you just knew, like, he was going to uh, do well. Um, and then last year really hurt him, you know, in terms of not being able to play, but it didn't stop him. Yeah. You know, he was they, the, a bunch of the Ivies had private workouts up at uh, NEBC yeah. um, and, and played competition against, you know, some of the Harvard guys and, and Dartmouth and uh, some of the UMass guys were up there help, uh, helping out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and then going into the Cape this year, like, as you see, he's he doesn't miss a beat. Yeah. Uh, he just, he's always going to hit. He will. He'll just always hit. Yeah, he's a guy, um, you know, as you put together these guys, you know, guys you want to look at heading into the draft or guys to keep an eye on. Um, he just always makes a list because he's getting better and better. He's, you know, and he's not, you know, you've got, we've got these other guys like Josh Baez or, Mm -hmm. you know, Sal Freelich and these guys who are first round Ryan Cusick down Mm -hmm. at Wake Forest. But Ben Rice just always makes a list because he gets better and better. And you're like, I can't leave off the Futures League MVP. You You know, he just performs. (laughs) What about some of those other guys going into this 2021 draft? Can you remember a year where it's this loaded at the top? No, I mean, even, I mean, the high school guys up into the college ranks, you know, every now and then it'd be, you know, especially, you know, from the nineties, it'd be like one or two new England guys, Jeff Juden, right. That's the name I remember from the nineties, big pitcher from Salem. Um, But then it would be, you know, now it's, you know, you got bias who we played against this year. um, Arias from Dexter as well. Like you're hearing more and more names at the high school level. 
and guys are just bigger, faster, and stronger nowadays. I mean, it is impressive, oh, yeah. uh, you know, in the high school ranks. And then leading into college, um, you know, I remember Freelich from Lexington High, and um, and then you get all these guys that are just just tremendous talent throughout New England. Yeah, I, w- I remember going to the area code games last summer, and that's, you know, pr- predominantly incoming seniors, rising seniors. They, they throw a couple of juniors in there, but mm-hmm. – um, I'm just watching the radar gun, and they, every, one pitcher after the next, all these guys are throwing 91, 94, you know, and you're yep. like, wow, what is this? What's <laughs> going on out here? So uh, it's pretty crazy. We also we did have another um, parent submission, uh, a question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, so this is from a uh, potential prep school parent. Her son wants to reclassify or does not want to reclassify. He does want to go and transfer to a prep school, does not want to reclassify uh, he's getting advised to do that by the academic advisors and coaches at the school. Uh, the parents are worried about the expense. What do you recommend in that situation? Yeah, we've had guys do both, you yeah. know, um, come in and, and not reclassify, and some guys come in and reclassified. Um, it's an individual decision. It's a family decision. Um, every kid is different um, from the next. Uh, sometimes it's an academic issue um, in terms of they just they just need that extra year to get to get better in the classroom before going off to college. Yeah. Um, it could be uh, they're young for their grade, you know, so reclassifying actually just puts them back on track to be a normal age to graduate. Um, or uh, it could be a physical physical maturity type thing. Um, you know, they're on the smaller side. They really haven't um, got into the weight room yet. Um, it just gives them one more year to get bigger, faster, stronger in, the, in that regard. So, um, <clears throat> and then the price uh, of a private school education. I, I get it. Uh, it's, uh, it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, but every school is a little bit different in terms of how they do financial aid and, um, and help families out. Um, you know, nobles were a need based financial aid. So, um, you know, you get to submit an application and whatever you qualify for, that's what you qualify for. But, um, it's, uh, it is definitely, um, it's definitely a big decision to make. And I always, I always tell families like, I don't downplay the decision. It's a it's a tough decision to um, you know leave your current school and your friends and stuff like that to to go somewhere that's kind of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but it's been very beneficial for all of our guys that have done it. Yeah, uh, I want to ask a question. Um, you had mentioned those PBR um, those showcases. They actually have a, a major league draft league. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that they started this mm-hmm. year. So I was on their website the other day looking at, um, you know, just stats that they were posting, and it was like uh, spin. It was measuring spin on the pitches, mm-hmm. you know, radar gun reads on all these guys' pitches, and the technology has just evolved so much. Uh, Wake Forest, they set up like a pitching lab that Ryan mm-hmm. Cusick was talking about has really helped him, and it seems like you could go crazy with uh, all the technology. What what do you use at Nobles, and what do you think you need? Sure. Yeah, this year was um, was great. We were able to uh, purchase uh, two Rapsodo units, yeah, uh, both for hitting and pitching. Um, I think they were great for our for our pitching staff. Um, you know, we used them not only indoors, but we set them up in the bullpen as well. Um, you know, we we used the hitting one. Um, it was tough this year because we were, we were playing a lot of games, so we weren't inside a lot. Yeah. Um, but you can use them outside as well to get. You know, launch angle and exit velo, and you actually can see the direction of where the ball was going if on a real field if you're inside. Yeah. Um, but the pitching was great. Um, you know, guys wanted to see the the development um, of their velocity, the develop of their curveball. Um, you know, their release point. Um, the technology nowadays is pretty crazy, and yeah. you know, the kids nowadays they want immediate feedback. 
and yeah. this is what it gives you. You know, um, you can you just set up the Rapsodo and you set up the iPad, and I sit in the bullpen with these guys, and um, you know, I'll tell them from pitch to pitch, like this is where this was, this was the velocity. Let's let's move your arm up a little bit more on your curveball and see if we can get you know a little bit more a little bit more spin going to the outside part of the plate or inside part of the plate, whatever it may be. Um, and they make that immediate adjustment. Yeah, you know, so um, that was. And they're not cheap to purchase. No, I know. Um, yeah. But we were, you know, the, the school was uh, awesome and, and generous enough to, to be able to, to purchase these for us. Um, and the guys loved it. You yeah. know, um, we, use, uh, we use Huddle a lot, um, H-U-D-L. Right. Um, and what we do is we film, uh, we film all the hitters on iPads every game, and we film pitchers on the iPads every game. So we have two iPads going. Yeah. Um, and then at, when the game's over and I get home, uh, I download it into Huddle. And um, and send it off to the guys to let them know that your your at bats are on. You can take a look at your at bats, yeah. um, and from there they can make adjustments on their own, or we make it during practice. Wow. Um, and then in terms of uh, like how do you, so you hear a lot of people complain about the technology in the game and how it's affected you know exit velocity, you see more strikeouts, it's all strikeouts and home runs. How do you use that information to coach? Are you are you coaching like hey we want to see big exit velocity, lots of launch angle, like high fly balls and stuff like that? Or how do you use that info? Yeah, I've, um, good question. I've, um, I've kind of decided that I'm going to go, I'm half, half, right? So I'm half the old school mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm half the new school of implementing technology. And yeah, I, I guess I haven't really bought into the whole, um, launch angle and stuff like that. Cause that really doesn't dictate, especially in a cage, like you can tell where it went kind of, you know, but, um, but like the exit velo, yeah. I mean, if you're stinging it, you're stinging it, right? Uh, pretty good chance it's going to get through somewhere. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I try to have a blend of the two. Of um, you know, don't rely so much like everything is technology, right? Because these guys want to take a swing and then look at the board, yeah, and see how hard it was. Like just just hit, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's why I don't I don't have the iPad visible to them. Okay, I have it so yeah. I can see it. Um, and the thing is, like, don't ask me every single pitch or every single hit. You know, how hard was that one? How fast was that one? Yeah. You know, um, we'll talk about it afterwards, you yeah. know, and we'll make adjustments from there. But um, I think it is great to get the, to get that feedback. Um, but I, I think I think line drives still play. Yeah. You know, line drives in the gap still play rather than just trying to hit it out of the park all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, because a line drive is a pretty good chance it might get out if you hit it right. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, and I don't know if you would see this more in football or baseball, but uh, one of the things we hear coaches talk about a lot, one of the biggest challenges is kind of dealing with parents and parents' expectations. Everybody wants their kid. You said, you know, they want to hit, hit that three or four hole. Sure. They want to uh, be playing, starting for the football team, all those things. And it sounded, when I asked about it earlier, it sounded like you actually have had a pretty smooth uh, relationship with the, the parents on your team. How do, how do you manage that, and how do you communicate to them in the beginning of the season to set the expectations for what the program's going to be? Sure. Yeah, so um, especially during tryouts, I ex- clearly explained to all the parents and the players how tryouts work, mm-hmm. um, how many tryouts we're going to have, uh, when cuts are going to be made, um, what we're basing those cuts on, um, what our needs are as a team this year. Um, and then – you know, like like a Ben Rice, like you might have to play, especially the younger guys as a freshman, you might have to play a year on JV to get better, uh, to get more at-bats, to get more innings on the mound, um, rather than it doesn't do us any good just for you to sit on the bench. Right. You know, so development-wise, um, you know, we've had guys 
be swing players as freshmen. You know, they're varsity guys, but they go down to JV, get a couple innings, or they go down to JV, get a couple of bats, and help out the JV program, and then they come right back to varsity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and three of the guys that did that um, as freshmen uh, were seniors this year, and all three are going to play NESCAC baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it really helped their development as pitchers and outfielders nice. uh, and hitters. Um, but, you know, I explained to the players and the parents, like, if a player has a question, I want to hear it from the player, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the parents have been great about that. You know, um, you know, these guys are 16 to 19. You know, they can come in my office and ask me a question about playing time, about a position, about whatever it may be. And uh, I'm like, I always tell the guys, my door is open, you know, come in, we'll talk about it. Um, and what we're thinking as a coaching staff in terms of that individual player, um, how uh, he would help out the team if you did this rather than this. Um We've moved guys from position to position because I feel uh, he's got a better chance to play college baseball at that position, or um, or it could be a combination of um, he's going to help out the team more at that position rather than be a backup first baseman. You could start in right field. Yeah, you know that makes sense. Um, and then in terms of it seems every year uh, the coaching commitment seems to become more of a year round thing. And um, I wondered about football and baseball because football, you know, now you see a lot of uh, strength and conditioning programs that go all the way through the spring into the summer. Baseball, there seems to be more fall ball. Is it becoming more difficult to juggle those two head coaching responsibilities? So this would be, um, I stepped in in 2017 as the head football coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a late coaching change. um, And then I went back to being the assistant coach. So I've been with the program. This will be my 11th year in the program. Okay. Um, And then uh, just recently, a few months ago, I became the head coach again. I gotcha. Um, So um, it is tough to juggle. um, But I always tell the guys, too, that in football, I'm the football coach. Yeah. You know, and in baseball, I'm the baseball coach. Um, And... You know, I'm still helping out guys with the recruiting throughout the year, uh, but my main focus during that season is that season. Yeah. You know, um, I don't wear uh, baseball gear in the fall, <laughs> and yeah. I don't wear football gear in the spring. Um, I'm all invested in whatever season I'm in uh, to do, and I explain to my guys like you should be as well. You're, you know, we have, I think on the baseball team we have 11 or 12 football players. Oh wow! You know, so I tell the guys in the fall. You're a football player. Yeah. You know, uh, but every now and then they, they might have to go somewhere for like a college showcase or something like that, um, you know, and, and maybe miss a practice on a, you know, a Monday or Tuesday or something like that uh, where they're traveling or a college visit. Um, perfectly acceptable, yeah. you know, um, because a lot of these guys are, uh, might be baseball first guys, football second guys. Mm-hmm. And I know that's important to them and, and for the recruiting that they have to do that, you know, but it is becoming tougher and tougher as a multi-sport athlete to be that, uh, which stinks because yeah. I was a football, baseball guy, and I loved both. Um, and I, and it, it is becoming tougher, uh, and guys are getting pulled in a bunch of directions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, college coaches say they like multi-sport guys, but right. it's tough when they're having a you know, football player has a showcase, baseball showcase in October. Yeah. You know, uh, so it, it's, it's tough. Um, but, um, the guys, the guys, the guys are all invested in whatever season they're in. That's good. Yeah. You see a lot of, I mean, Northeastern seems to really go after those multi-sport guys mm-hmm. and, uh, it seems to work out well for them. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, I think that it sounds like that's the way to go. Um, well, Rob, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank it's you. A, you offer a great perspective as somebody who's had a lot of roles in the New England baseball scene 
And uh, you sound like you have some great players that we'll be rooting for in the years to come. So thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Nobles coach Rob Murray for joining the podcast. He offered a great perspective as somebody who's held a lot of different roles on the New England baseball scene. Not only is he the Nobles head baseball coach, he's coached at the Bay State Games. He's a Texas Rangers scout. He played college baseball, and he went on to play in the Independent League. So it was interesting to hear his training mechanisms, how he builds a culture at Nobles, and then also the technology that he's using with the Rapsodo and really trying to decide what information to impart on his players and which to kind of keep secret as he's not always giving them readings after each one of their hits. Before we end the podcast, let's review some of the content you can find on the New England Baseball Journal platform. New England is loaded with MLB draft prospects this year. We've had several of the region's experts on the podcast. Subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred platforms. You can hear conversations with MLB prospects like BC outfielder Sal Freelich, Massachusetts top high school pitcher Dennis Colloran, or MLB scouts Ray Fagnant and Jim Brett. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe. We'll continue to have MLB-related content on BaseballJournal.com. Thanks again to Rob Murray for joining the podcast, and thanks for listening. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media podcast. <laughs>